Take your Bibles tonight and go to 2 Samuel in chapter number 7. 2 Samuel in chapter 7. <clears throat> Good to have uh, some in, I think, early for Thanksgiving. Caleb and Christine Cox uh, over here. And uh, Brother Gary and Miss Hannah Latin right over here as well. Kenny and Ashley Hainline. That's a blessing. And uh, some that have grown up around here coming back. That's good stuff. I like that. That's good. Don't you? It's a blessing. Amen. Wonderful. Good to see them. And they're serving the Lord in different parts of the country. And uh, good. And then others that are coming in from uh, college, of course, uh, here for a Thanksgiving break, too. So that's a blessing. Thank God. Opportunity. And then, of course, guests that we have here. We've been in a, in a series in 2 Samuel. I'm going to say First and Second Samuel as we're tying them together as they uh, account for the history of Israel. And uh, when a nation needs revival, uh, coming out of the time of the judges, Israel was at a, I believe it's safe to say, an all-time low. I mean, they, every man was doing that, which is right in their own eyes, and there was just chaos. And yet God didn't give up on Israel. God won't give up on Israel. Um, the last time we were in 2 Samuel was uh, Pray for Israel Sunday, if you remember that. And, and very appropriately, that, that was a Sunday designated, and we were in 2 Samuel 7. We're going to see a little bit more of that even tonight about Israel. Are you still praying for Israel? Still pray for Israel. I thank God uh, for the opportunity that, that we have to learn more about Israel even tonight and uh, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So let's look at it now in 2 Samuel. And um, let's read in verse 1 through 3. And uh, we won't read the entire chapter, though I'm inclined to. Uh, I am going to review a good part of the chapter as we get into it, but mainly our text is going to be verses 18 through 29. But let's read the first few verses as we get back into it here tonight. And it came to pass when the king, that'd be David, sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan, the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God, and the ark of God represented God's presence, the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. And then what you read basically from verse 4 through verse 17 is essentially this, God's ways are higher than ours. <laughs> That's exactly what's going on. And so we'll review that as we get into it. Um, verse 18, so when, when, God, when David had determined to build a physical temple, for God and God didn't allow that. God said, I'm going to build a house for you instead, a lineage, a royal dynasty that will continue on the throne. And so we'll, we'll review that in just a moment. But I, I thought to give at least that much because otherwise verse 18 is going to make as much sense. But look at it, if you would, please. It says, then went King David in and sat before the Lord. And he said, who am I? O Lord God, and what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? And this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord God, but thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. And this, and is this the manner of man, O Lord God? And then verse 20 says, And what can David say more unto thee? For thou, Lord God, knowest thy servant. 
For thy word's sake, and according to thine own heart, hast thou done all these great things to make thy servant know them. Look at verse 22. Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee. In other words, he's saying, God, you've got no peers. There's no God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself and to make him a great name and to do for you great things and terrible for thy land before thy people, which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt and from the nations and their gods. For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever. Everybody see that? How long is that? Forever. He's not changed his mind. It's still that way today. That you've made them a people unto thee forever. And thou, Lord, art become their God. Well, I wish I could capture the sense of what David was saying here, don't you? I mean, we're doing our best to read it, and I hope you're doing your best to pay attention and follow along. But he's overwhelmed right here. He really is. Verse 25 now. And now, O Lord God, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his house, establish it forever and do as thou hast said. And let thy name be magnified forever, saying, the Lord of hosts is the God over Israel. And let the house of thy servant David be established before thee. For thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, hast revealed to thy servant, saying, I will build thee in house. Therefore hath thy servant found in his heart to pray this prayer unto thee. And now, O Lord God, thou art that God and thy words be true and thou hast promised this goodness unto thy servant. Therefore now let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord God, hast spoken it and with thy blessing let the house of thy servant be blessed forever. Wow. Entitled the message tonight, Humbled by His Greatness. Humbled, humbled by his greatness. Stand in awe of him. Sit down if you have to. You got it? Stand in awe of him. And every now and then you may just have to sit down to take it all in. Because it's so amazing what God does. Stand in awe of him. Sit down if you have to. Humbled by his greatness. Boy, I wish I could do this text justice here tonight, you know. Um, I wish, you know, I can just picture in my mind's eye, David, just sitting there. You ever had some moments like that? Just thinking, God, I can't believe what you're, I can't believe what you've said. I can't believe what you've done. I can't believe what you've done in my life. I can't believe what you're going to do. 
May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated here tonight, humbled by his greatness. Lord, help us. Amen. It's amazing what God does along the way. You know, let me encourage any new believer here. Um, You know, like uh, Witness sang a moment ago, boy, by the way, thank God I enjoyed that song, didn't you? And the groups appreciate the hard work they do. And, um, but you know, if it's, it's not going to be easy, but in serving the Lord, but you're, if you're a new believer, let, let me just give you a little bit of encouragement here up front. Just stick with it. Cause in the course of time, there's going to be some highs and there's going to be some lows, but you're going to see God do some things that will just cause you to have to sit down and say, God, you're so good. I thank you. And I, I'm not trying to be emotional here tonight. I'm just trying to say, hey, uh, he is good and he does good. Ben, David had been through a lot right here. He'd been through a lot and, and he's reflecting what God has done. But, you know, God just does some things that just amaze you. I'm coming out of the missions uh, committee meeting and even, even in our meeting, I mean, we got to talking about what God's done um, in, in missions. And I think about uh, Brother Ray Painter and Miss Alicia and the affection above aviation. I mean, uh, I, uh, I told Trenton on the way home today, um, I underestimate God. I, I do. I, how about you? I underestimate him, you know. Um, and this was about a different subject, but I just, I underestimate who God is and what God can do. And, and uh, many of you remember, you know, you know, Brother Ray's testimony a few months back about how God, I mean, literally gave if I could say it this way, our church a plane because we're the sending church for the affection above aviation. But I mean, you know, that, that was out of my mind. I mean, I remember when brother Ray came in the office and he had the vision about, um, training people to, uh, be involved in aviation mission. And, and obviously if you're going to do that, you probably need a plane. <laughs> but I, in my mind, I thought there is no way that we can see funds raised Unless we just wait and wait and wait. But I'm telling you, within six months, for sure within eight, eight months, I mean, it was, it was in and there's a plane. Standing all. And every now and then you just got to sit down because you can't hardly take it standing up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, what God does is overwhelming at times. Uh, Brother Randy Donahue, he, he reads a letter from Hope Children's Home and he, he just shared a, story with us about one of the little kids that was praying. I mean, literally, this is what he prayed. And Brother Randy can help me here if I don't get it right, but I believe I got the essence of it. He, this little kid, they're in the Hope's Children's Home and, you know, many of them, their parents are just not doing well and, and these kids are there and they're learning to trust God with their life. And this little, this little boy, I believe it was, this little boy prayed, God, I just pray that you'd, that you'd supply us a boatload of bread. <laughs> Would you just supply us a, a boatload of bread? And if it wasn't, I don't remember the time frame, but I think it was even that week that somebody showed up and said, hey, listen, I've got a bunch of bread. <laughs> and listen to this. I mean, you're going to think, man, somebody's just making this up and it just makes a good missionary letter or something like that. But listen, you, you can't make this stuff up because it's stuff that God does. So he, the guy that brought the bread, he said, listen, it was actually too big for my car. So he, he went outside and he pulled back the tarp and there was a boat <laughs> full of bread. 
Those are times you just have to sit down and say, God, I can't, I can't take this standing up. This is, this is overwhelming. That he's a God who answers the prayers of a little child. Don't you know, I mean, he's going to be a prayer warrior now. He's going to be fired up. He's going to, Lord, I pray for a train load of you know, something like that. I don't know. Wow. I know every moment's not like that. I get it. I understand. But, but along the way, I think we ought to be just moved by the goodness of God. You know, here we are. I, I think this is appropriate. I thought about it this way too. That, and by the way, I'm going to be out of town on, on uh, Wednesday, but Ted's going to be preaching. You're going to have your Thanksgiving service. I hate to miss it. It's one of my favorite services. Every other year we do a, a Decker uh, get together and it will be in Arkansas, but I'm going to preach at South Campbell and their midweek service, but at South Campbell and Springfield. But anyways, um, where was I going with that? Oh, it's Thanksgiving. That's where I was going with that. Yeah. But I, I thought about it. You know, I think this is a great passage for us just to take in and, and look back and, and, you know, even of recent in our church family and maybe in many of your families. And you just, I think it's good for us just to pause and say, God, I just want to thank you because you've done so much. And if you never did another thing, I, I have more than enough reason to thank and praise you. Hey, we're not reading the words of a man that was perfect. We're not reading the praise of a man who was always in God's will. We're reading the praise of a man who spent some time down in Philistia, in, in Philistia and he wasn't supposed to be there. He got out of God's will, but praise God, God got him back in. And thus he could praise God. So we're not reading the words of a, of a perfect man, but we're reading the words of a man that was just taking in the goodness of God. And I, I don't know exactly how this message will go here tonight, but if I could maybe just encourage you to do just like what David was doing here. And, and I think to really get the gist of it, to get the full essence that you really do need to understand just the background as to what was, what was going on here and why, why David is, is overwhelmed. And, and, and David, um, David had prayed and he had a, he had a desire, you know, um, not all of our desires are in God's will. I think we have to acknowledge that. You know, that sometimes we, we may even have some ideas that you think, man, I think this will be great. I, I think this will work. I think this will be fantastic. I, I, think, I think God will be blessed by this. I've had some ideas. <laughs> Not all of them of God, right? And I think we need to be open to that. Um, because his ways are higher than ours. And, and thank God for those times when your ideas and my ideas didn't come to fruition. When, they, when God's nowhere near that. So, I mean, David had, had a desire. And I, I, don't, I don't know. I want to be careful right here. I mean, um, you know, I think one thing perhaps that we should take away from this is that we do need to be humble. Which, by the way, I think David was. I don't see him getting upset and saying... Well, fine then. Build me a royal dynasty. <laughs> Do you get that? It's not like he's disappointed, right? No, no, he had no reason to be disappointed. And, and so he didn't get lifted up in pride. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even inferring that David was struggling with pride here. Although, although I, will, I will throw this out here for all of our consideration because there is some danger 
Let me just at least uh, mention this, perhaps in passing, but I think it's worth bearing out that when things are actually going well, as it was in David's situation where they were now having victory over the Philistines and the Ark of the Covenant was there without anybody dying, that's a blessing. And, and now it's in Jerusalem. Oh, yeah, by the way, Jerusalem, they, they possess the land now. Jerusalem is the city of the great king. It's the city of God. It's, it's they're in Jerusalem I, and, and God has dealt with David's enemies. He dealt with Saul and David didn't have to and he dealt with Isbosheth and he dealt with Abner and he dealt with all these individuals. I mean, God has been doing some great things. You know, every now and then, if we're not careful when things are going really well, we can kind of get the big head and we get too, too big for our royal robe. And again, I'm not inferring that that's where David was, but I do take, I do take knowledge of this, that when God spoke to David, God did remind David, David, I took you from the sheep coat. David, I, if, if, if I had not intervened in your life, would you please just stop and remember, you'd still be tending the sheep out there in Bethlehem. And so again, I'm trying to be as careful as I can not to insinuate or to infer that, that David is lifted up in pride and he's acting on his own. I think, I think really, I really do think that David just had a heart for God and he wanted to do something for God. And that's a good desire. I think everybody in here, every one of us, we ought to have a desire to, to do something great for God. And, and I'm reminded of the words. I just read the book, Brother Stephen. Thank you for giving me the book on man, Bob Hughes, Missionary to the Philippines. <laughs> There's some Filipino people in here tonight that either directly or indirectly have been impacted by the life of a Bob Hughes who said things like this, go out on a limb, that's where the fruit is. Do the impossible, there's not much competition there. He said, some of you are waiting for a call, what's your number? <laughs> he said, no, some of you are waiting for a call. He said, if you'll listen, you'll hear a call. There's a call, come ringing over the restless waves. Send the light. Man, he had a burden for the Philippines. And he said, I'm going back to the island and I'm asking God to do great things. And God did do great things in the Philippines. It's amazing. It's ongoing. It's not over. It's still going on. It's amazing what God has done. Uh, there it is. Um, it's amazing what God has done in, in the Philippines through the life of a missionary who died at age 44. They built an auditorium and it may be larger than that now, but the, the upstairs of the auditorium seats, seated 3,000. The basement of, the, of that same complex seat, seated 2,000 for children's ministry. Can you imagine a children's ministry of 2,000? You might need some workers up in there <laughs> or down there. They were growing so fast, they had to have three Sunday school, Sunday school hours. And the first Sunday school hour started at seven o'clock in the morning. And American Christians have a hard time making it in time for 945. But he had a heart for God and he, he wanted to do something great for God. He wanted to get a Bible to the people of the Philippines and a million Bibles were, were produced and sent out. And, and I think it was 26 times a week, there was a radio broadcast that went out in the Philippines. I'm just simply saying, there's a good thing to say, hey, I believe our God can still do some great things. 
And where's the generation that will, that will follow and, and maybe even take in the words of, of, of William Carey who said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Hey, he's still a great God. And I think we ought to have it as our God. I want to do something great, not for us though. That's where we get in trouble. That's where we get in trouble is when we want to do great things for God when it's really for us. No, it can't be that. We got to do great things for God. So I believe that's really the heart of David, that he wanted to do great things for God. But God said, David, I'm not going to allow you to build the temple. Now, he's going to allow his son Solomon to build the temple. And my soul, what, a, what an edifice, what a building was built for God. It is a blessing. Thanks be to his holy name. But God said to David, David, I'm, you're not, you're not going to build me a building. You're not going to build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. And thus, the mechanism was put in place to fulfill the, the Abrahamic covenant, the covenant that God made, the unconditional covenant that God made with Abraham, that he would bless Abraham and his seed. We, the, the adult classes are back in the book of Genesis and probably most studied even this morning that, that God said, I will make of thee a great nation and those that bless you will be blessed and those that curse you will be cursed. And he's talking about Israel. And through thy seed and through, through your seed, all the families of the earth would be blessed. And so it would come through Abraham to Isaac, to Jacob, to Judah, to David, to Mary, to Jesus, to Southwest Baptist Church. Well, we just covered some years right there, didn't we? You know why that is? Because God made a covenant to David as well and said, David, of your seed, it's going to be your house, your seed. I'm not going to remove your seed like I removed Saul's seed. And we studied last time that that doesn't mean that there has to be a king on the throne of, of, of Jerusalem, of Israel, currently for God to fulfill that. It's just God was promising this. I'm not going to take the right to rule from the tribe of Judah and put it somewhere else. I'm going to keep it as the son of David. Because every now and then a river goes underground, but that doesn't mean it has gone extinct. It'll come back out somewhere downstream and yet it is still flowing. Hey, right now there's a lot of chaos in Israel. Right now there's a lot of, a lot of violence around Israel and Hamas and Hezbollah and, and others that are just trying to annihilate Israel and all the countries around this nation of 8 million people surrounded by 200 million people that, don't want, that want to wipe them off the face of the earth, but they'll have to overcome God to do it. Ah! Hey, in that way, even though we pray for the peace of Israel and pray for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm not worried about it because God said they're not going to go extinct. And not only that, will Israel still exist, but also this, that it would be of the son of David that would come and sit upon the throne. And since church, since that has not yet been fulfilled, that must still be future. Unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. 
Thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall be of his son, uh, of his father David. And he have David's throne in Matthew and Luke's account of, of when Jesus was born. Hey, I'm telling you, all of what is prophesied here in 2 Samuel chapter 7 has its ultimate fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. And David had to do this. Who am I? <laughs> Who am I? That such a great God has done such great things in my life. The Bible says that, did you notice that there he went in and he sat before the Lord. I, I, don't think, I don't think I caught this just in a casual reading of the Bible for years. But evidently what David did is he went into where that tent of meeting is, where the Ark of the Covenant was, was housed. Now, I, obviously, he couldn't go into where it was. So he went into whatever compartment of that that he could. And he sat before the Lord. Are we all right? Everybody that I read after said as much. I don't know for sure that that's what it is, but even if it was just in his own house and he sat before the Lord, the presence of God, I get that totally. But it may very well be. It seems to me like that that's what he's doing here is he's going there to where the Ark of the Covenant is and getting as close to that just symbolically and, and just having a time where he's saying, who am I? And what is my people? And what is my house that God did you notice, did you catch how many times he said the Lord God, the Lord God and what God's going to do? You, you know what he got to thinking about? Oh, let, let me read a few more verses here with us, but just to tie us into the scripture a little bit more deeply here. Look at, look at verse number 18 again. The king went in, then went in King David and sat before the Lord and, and said, who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that thou hast brought me hither to? You know what he's saying right there? How did you get me here? You, you know what might be good for you here right now, even into this week? Think about where you are now and think about where you were. And while you're at it, think about where you could have been. I just met a man at this youth rally and he was up there, boy, they, they had an activity and Bible quiz and sword drill. And they had five gallon buckets, Brother Seth, throwing out candy. I thought, I'm never going to get these kids, these young people's attention. They're going to be so sugared up. We're at least going to have a good time, but I'm not sure what they're going to get out of it, right? But one of the men on the far side over here that was just chunking candy out was a man, I believe his name's Drew. And uh, he was saved out of the oil field. Pretty rough. Roughnecks, rough lifestyle. And actually, if I remember, he told me his testimony. He said, actually, one of the, the, the uh, church bus broke down. Imagine that. And so he had an uncle or somebody, I may not be getting this part of the story exactly right, but he had somebody that was a mechanic and he said, hey, I need somebody to go with me. Would you go with me? And so this man that was the mechanic was saved. And on their drive there about an hour long, he put in a preaching CD. He said, man, he knew what he was doing all the way there. I heard preaching and all the way back. I heard preaching. And when I got back to my house, I said to my wife, we've got to get to church. 
And in the process of that, God saved him. Got him out of the oil field and got him out there throwing candy to young people. That's how he got hither too. I hope you'd stop and think tonight about what, where you were when God saved you. What, what he saved you out of. He brought you hither to. You see, David's looking back and he's saying, God, I can't believe you brought me to this place. He's remembering the past. He's remembering what God did. How did you get me hither to? Hey, wait a minute. Uh, is, uh, sorry, Bethlehem was only six miles from Jerusalem, but he'd been a lot longer than six miles in his life, friend. He'd been all the way down to Gath and back and he'd been all around and, and he'd been in some, some terrible times of his own making. His own choices got him in some really tight spots. He made a big old mess of his life. Not once, not twice, but several times. And yet God kept working in his life. And David's just looking back here and saying, God, who am I that you take such knowledge of me? Why have you brought me to this place? And he's overwhelmed by what God has done in the past. I hope, I hope right now you would just stop and think about what God has done to save your soul and to forgive you. And even after you were saved, that God didn't give up on you. Even when you made a big old mess of your life, he's still faithful to you, friend. He was contemplating his past. But not only contemplating his past, but he was also doing this. He was anticipating what God would do in the future. It's God, I can't believe what you have done. And God, I, I, I'm just overwhelmed. I believe that's the sense of the passage. He was in a place of wonder. Hey, I, I, hope, I hope tonight that you haven't lost your wonder of what God has done and who God is. I love, you know, I remember flying one time and there was a little kid that was flying for the first time. And, and uh, you remember when you flew for the first time? I mean, it's, it's awesome. I still, I still, I still think it's awesome. I mean, just, just the takeoff alone when that, that power, you know, what I want to do is just say, stand up and say, woo, let's go. But I figured that'd be a little bit weird in the plane. So I don't do that. But I just let my back hit the back of the seat. And like, oh man, this is some power right here. It's awesome. But I remember when this little two-year-old or three-year-old or four or something like that, he or she, I can't remember which one. It's been a few years back, but let's just say it was he. He looked out the window and he saw the clouds and he saw the land way below. And out loud, he said this, wow, wow, this is awesome. And all adults, you know, you know uh, cracking up around him, but he just kept on, wow. Hey, I hope he never got over his Wow. Because I still look out, and even though my adult pride keeps me from saying, wow, on the inside, I'm still saying, wow. Yes. Look what God has made. Preacher was taking me to the airport yesterday morning, and, and uh, I was looking at the mountains of, of Colorado, right there, right around Estes Park, and, and all those mountains going down the, the way. And I was trying my best not to be disrespectful, because he's here on my left-hand side, but the mountains were on my right-hand side. And I pretty well was just looking. I was listening to him, but I was looking at those mountains the whole way down, because we don't have them like that here. And in my heart, I was saying, what you've made. They're so majestic, massive, snow-capped, and awesome. Hey, hey, that's our God. That's what he did. And he saved us. He forgave us. 
And he's got a future ahead of us that, that we don't even understand. I mean, David couldn't even understand exactly all that God was going to do. You're saying, God, I can't believe what you've done in my past. And God, I can't believe that would maybe be the terminology that we would use. And he used much better than that. But, but he's saying, I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by what you're going to do. Can I remind you tonight that you and I that are saved are headed to that place where there is no more night, no more pain, no more parting, no more saying goodbye, no more heartache. How about this one? No more sin nature. But most of all, where Jesus is. That's our future. That's our future. He saved us out of the past. He's given us that wonderful future. So th- let, me, let me just run this by you right here. Those, those who reflect on the goodness of God in the past and remember his promises for the future, praise him in the, in the, in the present. When you think about what God's done in your past, wait wait a minute, please. If somebody's asleep beside you, wake them up because they need to remember what God did in their past. Remember what God did in your past. Remember the promises of God about the future that are sure and steadfast and that will not change. And you might find yourself just sitting down praising God in the present. In fact, what he did in the past and what he's going to do in the future ought to move us. In fact, I'm concerned if there's not some times when you don't just look up at the, at the sky and you, and you say, God, I can't believe all that you've done in my life. I remember when he called me to preach and that Thursday, that Thursday night as I prayed with Brother Decker and I just surrendered my life to do whatever God wanted me to do after Brother Tommy Stone had preached and God had been working in my heart. And I remember going up, going outside after that, outside the tabernacle and the sun was just setting. It was a glow and it was in my heart and mind. I can't believe God, you've called me to preach. Who am I? I didn't know all God's going to do. and None of us do, but I'm telling you, there are promises that you can rely on and the goodness of God that you can experience every single day. Oh, my soul. Those things ought to move us. And if it doesn't move you, I wonder what's wrong. I wonder what's wrong. You ever wonder what's wrong when somebody's not moving and it's time to move? You ever been at the red light and... The guy in front of you, it turns a very bright green and he's still just sitting there. And you think I'm going to be courteous, courteous for at least two seconds. You're thinking, man, you got a green light right here. Brother, sister, go, go. Why sit we here? Amen. Why sit we here? Come on. And then you get concerned about the guy behind you, right? You're thinking all about him and you just give a little bump, bump. (laughs) Not not, not, not that you run into him, you give a little honk, honk. (laughs) Because you're thinking about others. (laughs) Right, sure. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. But you're wondering, why doesn't this guy move? You know, sometimes I, I go through a song service and I see people that aren't singing. I think, hey, the light's green. Go ahead and praise him. Why are you just standing there not singing? Why, why are you standing there not enjoying the song? How, in fact, sometimes I wonder, why sit we here? We ought to be standing. 
I'm not going Pentecostal or anything like that, but I think every now and then we ought to just clear off a spot and say, God, you've been so good. You saved me from all that. And you've given us a home in heaven and you're doing so much in my life right now. I just got to thank you. I just got to praise you because you've been so good. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. If you haven't been moved to that in a while, I wonder, here's the problem. You hadn't thought about what he did in your past. And you hadn't thought about what home he's got for you in the future and who, well, all the other promises of God. And I think if you think about that and you think about this, you might find yourself some, sometimes saying something like this in the midst of a song. Amen. And your hand might fly up involuntarily. No, 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 no. Just go ahead and say, amen. And praise the Lord. He ought to be praised. He's so good. I'm a little bit hesitant to share a personal blessing, but I think the church will appreciate this and I think you'll understand it. It illustrates what I'm saying here tonight. You all gave to a, an offering even that we might buy a, a truck. I've been, I've, been, I've been looking for a truck for literally a year and a half, been praying. I think you ought to pray about big decisions like that, don't you? Yep, I've been praying. God, would you please provide? I, I know all the dealerships between here and, and uh, Dell City, Midwest City, Norman, Moore, uh, up in, I mean, all around, I know them. I, I've got their websites memorized. And I begin to pray, God, would you provide um, a, a relatively new 2023 Toyota Tacoma? I mean, if, I, I just thought to pray. Now, listen, this is not charismatic theology here, okay? But we got a God who can provide a boatload of bread. And he knows how to provide a vehicle. And you, you were a blessing. And I'm just sharing this blessing with you. I was going to share it and I'll probably still do a write-up on it. But my friend, uh, Kelby, uh, we just kind of made a connection. It's a neat story in itself. I signed him up for friend day. And, um, and, and he, he, every now and then he'd text me, Hey, we got, we got this one in. Won't you come up? And I'd, I'd, I'd say, Hey, I'll, I'll come when I'm free. He texts me back and said, it's gone. It's sold like that. At least twice, maybe more than that. Just a different time to buy vehicles. Come on, that's just what it is. But I just was praying, God, this is the year of standing in awe of you. It sure would be awesome to see a 2023 just so that I could remember forever what you did in 2023. <laughs> is that all right? That's what I prayed. And I was praying about it literally and, and Kelby texted me and said, hey, we, this one hasn't been through our process yet. You want to come up and see it? And he sent some pictures and I said, I'm, I'm coming that way. Angie and I made the way up there and it was a 2023 with 3,300 and well, I know exactly 3,337 miles on it. 33. Our theme this year is staying in awe of him. Our text is Psalm 33. I'm not trying to read more into it than is there, but I'm just simply saying to you, I'm standing in awe of him. He didn't have to do things like that for us, but I tell you, it actually gets better than that. I'm going to have to sit down for this one, right? I signed, I signed Kelby up for a friend day. He came. He came for friend day. It's the most expensive friend day contract I've ever seen. <laughs> I feel that. Can't do this one every year, right? <laughs> but he signed up and he came. And he texts me afterwards and he texts even that night and said, hey, I'm watching live stream Sunday night. Amen. He came this Sunday morning 
and he walked the aisle and brother David got to lead him to the Lord. And I stand in awe of him because today we took him for lunch and he told me the circumstances that were working on his side of it. While at the same time, God was working these circumstances. And I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I, I began to, I began to wonder, God, are you going to provide this? And, and, uh, you know, I mean, come on, you know, a year and a half searching. And some of you were wondering, are you ever going to get a truck? <laughs> you know, and, and I, I'm, I was right there with you, but I, I'm just, I'm just simply saying there's a God in heaven that even what seems like a delay to you or like you, he's, you're getting a no, he's got a greater yes that you don't even really even understand that if you'll just trust him, and I'm not saying he's gonna give you this, give you that. No, 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 please don't misunderstand the point of this illustration. He'll work in such a way if you'll trust him that you'll stand in awe of him and he gets the glory for it. He's a great God. Stand in awe of him. But sit if you have to. Because sometimes it's so overwhelming. You just have to sit and marvel and wonder and say, God, you're so good. What you've done in our past. Could we apply this to Southwest Baptist Church? What is our past? What is our future? I think we can praise God. Would you think about your life? Maybe right now you've... You're at a tough spot in life. You know what God may be doing? I, I remember my, my father-in-law preaching this message about, you know, out of Psalm, one, out of Psalm 42, why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? And he, he talks about how God is the help of my countenance. And the word help means this, that like when you're looking down as a kid, you remember when you're all down in the dumps and your mom or dad would come and say, hey, Every now and then, God just helps us to look up. And you might have come in here tonight just down. But I hope God has used his word to help you remember what he saved you from and that you're headed to heaven. And you might find yourself in this present situation saying, God, I don't know how all this is going to go, but I'm going to enjoy the journey. And I just want to praise you because you're good and you're trustworthy. Let's stand in awe of him. Let's stand together here tonight. David was humbled by his greatness. Maybe tonight you just ought to find a place at the altar and just come before the Lord and say, God, I, I just, I've got to praise you for what you've done and what you're doing and what you're going to do. And just give him praise and bow before his presence in worship to adore him. Father, tonight, best we know how, we just want to come before you and like David, just say thank you. And we're overwhelmed by your goodness and the reality of your word and the faith. We praise you for your goodness, God. Lord, um, Thank you for the help your word gives us, encourages us. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.